0: Keep go. The podcast platform of the Finaglerist by Leopold Lambert. Today, a weaponized urbanity. Morning drift in militarized downtown open With Demolit. Hello everyone, today we're going to do a little bit of a special podcast in uh, Auckland in California uh, and um, it's a little bit special because I have uh, three guests, uh, uh, the, the three founders of uh, Demilit, uh, Javier Arbona, Nick Sowers and Brian Finocchi and uh, it's also a little bit special because we, we are going to walk while talking and do a sort of uh Drifting in the in Auckland to talk about their to talk about the politics of space and the militarization of space uh, in uh, in this uh, highly politicized city as uh, many of you probably know um, to give a little bit of an introduction of uh, my three guests and uh, and their their uh, collaboration uh, that started in two thousand and ten uh, at Demilet. Uh they started it after um, being part of a panel at a conference in Berkeley. And um, since then, they've been trying to decode military landscapes uh, through archiving, mapping, and uh, other uh, collaborative work um, that um, articulate their researches together. Um, then if I, if I introduce them uh, a little bit more individually, uh, st- starting by Javier, he's a geographer, He's uh, trained as an architect um, and uh, has been working for a long time uh, in architecture critis- crit- criticism. Um, he has been researching uh, about the spatial implication of the militarization of architecture, and is going to start soon a postdoctorate uh, at UC Davis uh, in American studies with uh, a good friend of Finobalist, uh, Karen Kaplan. Um, Nick Sowers is an architect. He works in Auckland. He's been traveling the world to study military bases and bunkers. And uh, he's also the founder of uh, Soundscraper, which is a, a research studio uh, about sound and architecture. So I'm particularly happy to have him as part of a sound, a sound project here. <laughs> uh, and the third guest is a uh, 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 good friend of Phenobalist as well, Brian Finoki. Uh, who uh, who uh, navigates between uh, geography uh, architecture and and uh, also the militarization of space and he defines himself as a wide ear loitering uh, individuals uh, and uh, loitering we might do today um, <laughs> and uh, most of you probably know his work uh, through subtopia that has been uh, he 's been fitting for many years and uh, and uh, that uh, uh, has been uh, highly influential and on the work of the, phenoblo- on the uh, uh Hello, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Sorry hey. for this very long introduction, but I mean, <laughs> three of you, so and you've been doing so many things. So, uh, so can maybe one of uh, one of you explain what we are about to do today? Javier.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think what we're going to do is walk a trajectory improvising along the way, maybe deviate from that trajectory, a kind of walk that, especially Nick and I have done um, maybe two or three times, um, where you could say we're, we go searching for what we call spatial leaks. Um, we've written about this in, in a recent number of the Architecture Periodical volume. Uh, people can read more about it there. But we try to go and seek out some of the Clues to everyday militarization in some of the places that look just like this plaza where we're in right now. It's a relatively corporate, banal space, shopping mall, it has like signage, uh, displays. But Oakland is a city where there's a political memory, um, there are histories of violence in every single inch. And so we maybe go walking um, near City Hall and perhaps make our way towards the port of Oakland which is incredibly central to the whole regional economy incredibly important to the state and to really the broader US economy so uh, uh, and of course because of that central role it's 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 heavily policed um, it's a heavily militarized and increasingly more militarized technological site with um, more and more surveillance. There's a lot of politics at City Hall in terms of trying to allow that surveillance or dispute whether or not that that, that surveillance is, is somewhat allowed but monitored and how much citizen monitoring can happen in terms of what is collected. And I think Brian said he's interested in maybe trying to seek out some of the surveillance technologies, mics like a oh, shot spotter mics. Speaking of, so I,
2: I just happened to notice. So he's that already
1: noticing. We here. are
2: the four of us loitering right now, right under uh, the surveillance camera. And I was thinking, in terms of you know the, the spatial leaks that Javier is talking about. I mean, part of that is looking for what is just sort of politically kind of oozing from the landscape without really any kind of uh, oversight, or, or maybe the, you know, the, the government is, is sort of leaving something kind of open that we're, we're trying to detect. But it's, much, it's as much about leeching leaks, you know, we're, out, we're out scouring, we're out looking. And if I could have my way right now, I would leech, I think it would be a great thing. If we could get our hands on, because uh, we're probably going to be walking around today and we're going to be under surveillance the entire time, if we could get our hands on the footage. Yeah. from like all the hundred different cameras that we're going to be on today piece that <laughs> together and have an audio or video sort of narrative that just from told from the perspective of a CCTV camera and just charting our walk that'd be awesome it's not going to happen yeah. but
3: well, I think in addition to looking Nick. we're going to do quite a bit of listening I mean it's just inevitable and to me that's a big part of our project is about the invisible traces invisible traces of power and, and making those known and, and, and heard and for me when i'm looking at this plaza and i'm thinking back to cuz i lived 5 blocks from here when occupy was here in 2011 11 yeah yeah and just i remember the sound of it i remember the just that that full occupation by a noise but but much um, an intricate noise sort of a depth to it and i now you know so it's this empty thing and i think it's very interesting actually i'd like to maybe uh, give you some of, some of those sound recordings and just see sure. you know overlay and, and treat this walk as a kind of experimental overlay of um, you know different times, different events happening, and see if we can sort of figure some of that out and on on the way. So think you know it's sort of an experiment with time as well as space as we walk around.
2: Yeah, I, I was just going to say real quick, right. you can also hear how how reverberative it is yes. in here, right? So I mean, I, you can just imagine. The protest, the chants, and everything echoing off the walls, and and I like this notion that there's something that's echoes that are permanently captured, you know, kind of in these these types of spaces where reverberations happen. The, the, the echoes don't permanently disappear; they maybe disappear from human hearing, but there's something that's still echoing from these moments in time. You know, and architecture is just a, a, a sort of sponge for this kind of this, this, this a material that can you know, store history in a, in a sort of a different way, many ways, but. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, this is a good place to start as any, I think, right now. Yeah, and, let's go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh,
0: just just to, to just to reflect on that, I think uh, Auckland, Auckland as a Auckland as a particular eco in history, right? Because it was a uh, was a place where the Black Panthers Party was uh, funded, and uh, and there's been it has been a lot of uh, political struggle in the seventies. So. Mm-hmm. All, all the walls that are behind us, uh, whether they're new or old, are able to tell us a little bit
2: about this eco Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, it's amazingly historic. And, and I mean, growing up in the Bay Area, I mean, this even in you know the '80s and '90s, I mean, Oakland was always still kind of seen as this unwieldy monster of a place, you know, this kind of keg, time, time, you know, potentially explosive kind of a thing. And there's, there's always just been. that that attached to it you know and then you know with Occupy and this whole kind of thing and now you've really seen and with the gentrification that's happening in the Bay Area and the tech new tech boom that's going on it's it makes perfect sense that the the military zone the Department of Homeland Security zone form of gentrification with the hyper militarization right now it's another form of gentrification right I think it goes hand in hand with gentrification but you know the the timing the synchronicity of just money coming in on one hand the corporate towers going up the, the expensive housing filling in all the gaps and and the military surveillance networks, you know, they're meshing it all together. I mean, it's, it's all it's a singular kind of landscape, woven, and anyway, we're going to go look for it.
1: Yeah, all, all right. right. Let's, do Let's
0: Let's go. go. The Sonic Archive of Occupy, Auckland, November 2011, recorded by Nick Sowers.
3: I will not be addressed.
1: Okay, so right now um, we're in the midst of these different relatively uh, sort of a modest height towers, um, but a very important node of both the bureaucratic power, I mean we're right next to Oakland, right next to Oakland City Hall, um, notable for being uh, progressive era architecture, um, it, it assumes the form of a high-rise um, because the ideas of the time wanted to um, give government an appearance of, uh, of uh, kind of an efficient corporate um, facade. So contrary to San Francisco City Hall, which has this kind of classic dome, this is a boxy, uh, tower-like, uh, bureaucratic sort of cake, right, of a building. We're right next to... Uh, we're, ne- right, we're right what. next to the Rotunda building, which I wanted to point out because during Occupy Oakland, Phil Tagami, the owner of that building and a major player now in Oakland in terms of the redevelopment of the Oakland Army base, he leads like a very large development group. So he was armed with a shotgun, locked himself in the Rotunda building famously uh, when Occupy Oakland was you know, in, the, in full effect um, and sort of was facing off with, with occupiers. Tagami is now kind of a rising, emerging power in Oakland because he has his fingers like in every pie, right? And we're right next to Clorox headquarters. We're really close to, you know, there's a Wells Fargo branch right here. We're just across from the Chamber of Commerce too, which is like, you don't normally notice it. It doesn't have any symbolic architecture to it, but it occupies most of that first floor space right to the, um, kind of to the west of, of City Hall. From where we're standing, and um, important because the Chamber of Commerce, right? Like its proximity, its neighborhoodness, its its uh, its adjacency to City Hall is key to understand because the Chamber of Commerce is a kind of a, a kind of cabal of interests of people who uh, n- actually don't really live in the city. Proper, many of them live like in Tiburon or live in these other very exclusive communities outside, but they have a heavy stake, a heavy interest in what happens um, in Oakland. So,
2: real quick, I'll just add something right. that I'm noticing while I'm standing here is uh, back to that the topic of kind of the, the reflexivity of architecture, or the reflections of architecture, and the noise and the sort of remaining echoes or not of uh, the Occupy movement. But I'm looking, there's three buildings right here, and I'm always fascinated by. Most downtown, sort of headquartered, municipal kind of buildings, they always seem surrounded by buildings with reflective glass, mirrored-plated sort of glass. And then, then it just creates this illusion of power just, ex- the, the, you know, the, the government building just being sort of reflected in all these buildings and just kind of expanding sort of in hype, hyper expanse of, of you know, of, of civic power. And then in the middle, down below, is this last weird-shaped little plot of grass, you mm-hmm. know, where the Occupy movement once sat, you know, the the canvas of the free movement, the the remaining canvas of what is considered public if there is such a thing as public in the city anymore. And you don't see that. You know, the buildings, the reflective glass just doesn't go down low enough. You know, it's only at the elevation to reflect uh, the the ornate, you know, decorations of of power and then the grass is just kind of lost, you know, at the the foot of it all. But anyway, another random reflection.
0: The the loan as a political... Practice uh, uh, space is particularly interested in um, in 1790. So one year after the French Revolution, the 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 revolutionaries were trying to think of what would be a good space in Paris to um, to uh, celebrate the revolution and the kind of uh, uh, republic, like anti-monarchist, monarchist monarchist, uh, 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 spirit of it and the only thing they could come come up with is a is a current uh, champ de mars uh, near the well the FL towers that obviously did not exist back then but uh, mm. so basically a just gigantic loan of yeah. grass like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing else th- <laughs> nothing else could be done uh, to to actually carry those values they were trying to carry so yeah, it's wild mm. i mean just
2: the, the notion of public parking like in in turkey and cairo i mean all these you know it's becoming It's becoming the convergence point. It's becoming the main, most contested territory now for anti-globalization movement. You know, it's just plots of grass networked around the planet. You know, it's it's wild. (laughs) But it's interesting, right?
0: Because uh, architects are always trying to find what would be like, I mean, you know, they're always always interested in finding like what would be the ultimate public square that, that would actually... Bring democracy or this kind of thing. When actually, it's the least they do, the best, it, the best it does probably. <laughs> right, right. I oh. think one yeah. other thing that's,
1: that's really quick to. I mean, maybe we edit this out later, but just thinking of um, the fact that the 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 companies that. Clorox, for example, which has its its headquarters here, I mean, our companies that their wealth, right, the elite wealth of Oakland is this wealth that goes back to, it's really important to remember, it goes back to kind of 19th century mining, 19th century um, sort of just, uh, development, right, like the hinterland development of the entire bay, of the proximity to... Um, the water right like parts of the south and south and east bay all of these all of these were the hinterlands that were heavily destroyed right early on and then that kind of that destruction lives on um in the uh, in this generic corpo corposcape i guess i would call it that surrounds the, ha- the city hall absolutely i was right. just i was just gonna say i mean how symbolic is it the clorox is there right like the the ultimate
2: you know granddaddy of the bleaching the bleach product this kind of white washing of color of fabric you know the stripping of of any kind of evidence from anything like bleach is just the ultimate cleansing agent right that just can scour history away that can just do anything here it is it's in dead center part of the main conglomerate power in oakland you know what i mean it's Symbolism is pretty a, maybe crazy. a
1: high vantage point we can get up to. Right, up let's look forward, let's I see this. I see this woman up there. I wonder, like, can we get up there? All
2: right, let's do it. You know,
3: that's the know. building department. I spend a lot of time in there. Is that the building department? Yeah. yeah. Show um, us the way, Nick. I don't know if, if you, yeah, that's I'm not right. aware of being able to get on that rooftop.
2: Right, she's probably.
0: Cynic Archive of Kubai, Auckland. November 2011, recorded by Nick Sowers.
1: So the other thing that I think is, I, I wanted to point out, you know, that wanted to show you something I'm really fascinated with too, it's is the way in which offices that correspond, that belong to different levels of the government actually occupy quite, a, quite an amount of footprint, quite a, an amount of volume of space in the downtown. And we tend to just kind of overlook that because for whatever reason, they're just they're bureaucratic. They're, uh, people would rather forget that they even have to deal with those agencies. But everywhere you go, like San Francisco Civic Center, and here in Oakland, in the in the heart of uh, in the heart of the downtown, right? Like you start to look around, and there are uh, what seem just like generic, uh, pretty postmodern, ugly, pretty ugly buildings are are, are fully occupied by state offices. Um, they're fully occupied by city offices beyond just beyond the classic old city hall. So you have more city of Oakland bureaucrats here. You have courts uh, that we're heading, that we're kind of walking towards right now. Um, you have, uh, there's, there, are, there are also, um, you know, different pension funds that, the, the, you know, just imagine the whole tendrils of the government that, that all, everything that it takes to run a very large bureaucracy is here and so the more you kind of walk around the more you start to realize right that this is um that they, that it, that there's uh, yeah that's the jail that we're that you're pointing to right now so there's there's this enormous volume really that they command and that has to always be right like secured right that that, get, that uh, you, we tend to imagine cities as these i don't know like we tend to kind of think of their public role but there's also a whole there's a whole role of of municipal employment, right, that's really important. You can start to think about all the office workers that are paid minimum wage by the government itself. They're not even making a living wage right now. So you kind of have, you have to sort of think about these sort of always circulating um, bodies that come and go from this downtown. And there's a whole, there's a whole politics to that. And the fact that the, that then the government also becomes an interest in controlling the downtown, that it's not only those corporate interests, but also the governmental uh... command of the space itself right so and now we're just walking like i just wanted to point out we just walked um... we're we're standing right in front of the facade of the clay clay street garage um... it's a really kind of it's a really interesting i don't know simple modernist uh... type of garage and we're we're standing right in the spot where riots took place during the vietnam war when they wanted to when they were shipping out um, Draftees to go fight in the war. So we're we're just in the midst of where the famous Clay Street uh, riots took place. Mm. Um, so. At this point of the podcast, I'd like I'd like to point out that I
0: already anticipate that uh, Nick will have a lot to do in the editing. So that would be because, <laughs> because R- Javier and Brian have been speaking a lot. So I, I would like to say that Nick will probably be uh, uh, highly influential <laughs> on the editing of the of the podcast itself but uh but in a more in a more uh, immediate way nick uh, we're still in this uh, very very dry environment of like very mineral uh, everything is controlled what 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 can you tell us about the, the sound of this entire environment
3: well my first my first thought is just to the, it's the visual details i zoom in on you know little signs please do not throw cigarette butts in planter and there's kind of you know, there's a very this, this is a space that the bureaucrats come out have their smoke break kind of you know uh, this interstitial zone between street and building um, it's i mean we're, we're hearing the sounds you know just not not terribly busy street traffic sounds and I think uh, the buildings in a way provide a nice buffer for there's sort of there's kind of a, a sort of a labyrinthine landscape that you can wander around and the more you I mean, the more you kind of be in a place, especially a place you're very familiar with, but you're spending more time or looking for things you don't normally look for, I think it's it's interesting, I'm starting to feel like a tourist in my own city. Uh, just like that, you know the ricochets. Yeah. We could talk a little bit about the uh the the uh, ricochet the Oakland uh, police uh, network of, of sound of microphones that record the sound of a gunshot and locate it.
2: We're looking for those. We haven't I mean, seen we, any of those yet. Yeah, ShotSpotter's the program. They're all over the city. They're all over many cities now. C- but c- can you can you maybe just expe- explain it a little bit uh, more didactically? I mean, as far as I know, there's just a sort of series of of maybe four microphones that are you know hooked up on corners of buildings, sort of equally distributed around the city, right? And and they they're sort of they're used to sort of echo echo locate gunshots. You know, sort of like bats, like you know, like bad echolocation so when a gunshot goes off i mean these things have so, supposedly been so tuned that they can differentiate them between backfires of cars and i mean they've gotten really really good and you know the city will, will lay claims that they've been able to you know move in and maneuver and get to the source of sort of crime and very easily but yeah the, the, there are thousands of microphones over the city right in, in, in little networks of four that are spatially oriented and that all network together and and the thing is that, they also super, it just came out that these things are also capable not only of just listening and sort of echolocating but they're, they're, they can be turned on and actually recorded and used like audio CCTVs in effect mm-hmm. and so there's a this duality in terms of really what their full use is, is there, are they just echolocating and listening for gunshots and really kind of helping to cramp down on that type of violence or are they you know part you know of, of another layer of, of just a CCTV network and the whole kind of panoptic
3: uh, and I, I think it 's more about yeah. locating locating uh, gunshots that are out in various neighborhoods because it's it 's uh, one thing you notice in a, in a downtown environment like it's it 's very difficult to place a you know place the location of sounds you hear sirens and you 're kind of looking all around you don 't know where it 's coming from until you see it almost and I think maybe that's that's part of the fascination with the downtown that the soundscape maybe we don't think about this all that often that that you are a little bewildered when you're when you're in a city even a very neatly gridded well laid out downtown like this one um, the buildings and their reflections you know all the smooth mirror glass as brian is talking about mirrored glass in a visual spectrum like the the acoustic spectrum of mirror glass is is also in a way to does the same thing to reflect to deep to deflect
1: so really i mean i guess like what what i was going to suggest too is just to kind of round out a bit this introduction um we're walking sort of in a south southwesterly direction and we're facing towards where the city jail is so one of the things i think we maybe wanted to accomplish with this walk was kind of uh, get to that edge of the downtown sort of we're, we're trying to associate like in this walk in this perambulation associate these different um, zones, these different territories that that sort of bleed into each other but also overlap simultaneously that in some ways seem distinct but actually have all kinds of networks between them have all kinds of human connections there are different interests at city hall um, that that relate to that defend the uh, actions of the police and vice versa, right? So all these spaces seem distinct, but actually have all kinds of movements and connections between them. And so, and I guess like what just wanted to point that out that where we have that type of almost like a almost like a fortress wall that hits Oakland um, just as you walk towards the freeway, the 880 freeway, and you walk towards the port. Um, but just with that introduction, then I think. I think that kind of gives us a little bit of the sense of the spatial politics of where we're in. And then we can, I think, take more time to listen, observe, um, sort of like improvise now that we've, I think we've kind of gotten the foundation in a sense. Perfect.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. As we move, I'll just, I mean, I'll go back to the shot spotter, the acoustic thing, because I think it's fascinating. And I hope we do see some microphones. Maybe we'll, maybe we won't. But another thing, just these small little ironies always fascinate me. For example, here, you can see the ask. Dot com building, The big ask sign in the background over here. If you're standing on the other side of the street, it's, it's, it's one of the civil, uh, reflective buildings over here. But here we are, dead center, right? Where they've clamped down on the biggest protests in the country. And, you know, there's just a sign in the back that just represents, again, sort of internet mogul money, finance. The, company, the name of the company is Ask, you know, and, and just a, that's the last thing they want you to do here, you know, as a, as a public is to ask questions. Is to is to do anything. And, 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 those, little, those little details always just disgust me. Frankly.
3: <laughs> I wonder how the you know the the blind who you know or are, are visually impaired that that those uh, audio signals are for actually find the effectiveness because it's, you know, you, maybe they're so used to just locating sounds, you know, and, and being more precise, but to me, the those sharp piercings, they just, they disorient, you know. It's, I, I, find, I find, especially when you've got buildings, they're just reflecting, and it's like, how are, how are you actually locating which, you know, crosswalk to go on? I
2: think those buildings uh, actually really help them. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know, but in terms of listening, your whole life is really your navigation system has been developed around sounds reflecting off of objects right like and uh i don't know man it would be i mean I've, i'm just you, remembering the are ex- disabled to get those i really do i really yeah. think that's why those things are effective and especially in a downtown environment like this where there is a lot of reflective sound happening i mean i'm sure it's more enabled for them i'm sure they can they're more thankful to be in an environment like this where there's a lot more bouncing going off and they can really kind of pinpoint who knows? Also, Who knows?
3: It's curious to me how some of them are modeled after bird tweets. That one maybe is a little, a little sharper of a sound. But there's some that are like obviously bird tweets, and then that gets to the that whole um, uh, elevator music kind of conditioning of the city of the city
1: environment. Uh, courthouse, federal courthouse. Courthouse vehicles that belong to the Department of Homeland Security. Uh. SUV, town cars, uh, sorry, SUV black SUVs uh, parked on the sidewalks. Uh, you know, hints at the type Should of dynamics inside down. these buildings.
2: I mean, back to the, 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 the visually impaired tweets, you know, a lot of what's being deployed these days are these noise irritants. You know, cafes are playing blasting classical music because teenagers that would loiter there... You know, that's sort of... They get annoyed and they're not, they're not loitering there anymore. You know, there was a period in at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco where, you know, Civic Center, the big park, homeless people hanging out there all day. They were blasting... I forgot what they were blasting, but they were blasting crazy sounds for like three nights in a row to try and ward off the homeless. And then I think the city kind of got upset and, or people got upset and realized it wasn't very effective. But, you know, just how... Example, the the, the tweet there... In some ways, it might be pleasant for them. The visual impairment is obviously a navigational device. For other people, it might be very annoying. It might be, it might be specifically designed to kind of be an irritant, to kind of keep you moving, to kind of keep loiterers and people from sort of gathering around and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all part of this nebulous kind of soundscape that uh, is partly uh, trying to kind of keep you in a constant state of motion and never settling down and never, in, you know, encamping. And, you know, again, the kind of war on the homeless, the war on the poor, the war on the potentially criminal or criminalization, et cetera, et cetera. So I was point, yeah. You never know. <laughs> ambiguous in some ways.
1: How we walk on. We're going to have to kind of go back out that, that way to head to, uh, towards the jail.
0: No, so w- we are now on a on little, uh, again, extremely mineral... Uh, little public space, I mean public space so to speak, with um, a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of tables and uh, chairs that seems to be only uh, usable by customers of a little cafe near it I mean a corporate cafe uh, Would any of you would like to comment on it?
1: I mean an important, I okay. think an important thing, uh, it would be actually it re- this reminds me to go back and look at aerial photographs or maybe look at maps from the 1930s um, or 40s because we've just moved through a space where we've gone through what like four different blocks and there's even more in our visual spectrum here that are, you can tell, these are relatively new buildings from the past 20, 30 years. So this was like an enormous clearance. I think that most of these blocks were cleared of old Victorian homes. Um, most of this neighborhood went through urban redevelopment and so buildings like old Victorian buildings similar to uh, you can't see it from where we're standing but we're a very short walk from where the african-american library is um, the Oakland branch of the public library where the african-american history collection is and that the the style of building um, that that library has is probably emblematic of what most of this was was like and so the redevelopment transformed this area enormously. So then you have they put in this convention center with huge parking lot. Um, they brought in, of course, the freeway cut through that cut through miles and miles of historic neighborhoods, mostly African American neighborhoods um, And of course, in order to also to, to, to in a sense, Modernize the city, bring in the automobile, be able to connect to the larger regional um, movement and economy, um, and then, and then, you know that to me that whole history uh, it becomes so trivialized. It almost becomes so invisible by having these these, these anodyne, uh, you know, ca- catalog ordered planters with these hyper. Green, uh, green leaves that look completely artificial. The flowers look like they've been hyper-fertilized and then you have this like rather um, decorative but dead public space. I mean, these um, flower potters
2: are you know they're not clearly set up as bollards, right, to prevent cars from driving up here. And which is just I mean, this this is just the most emblematic scene of like post 9/11 sort of American security urbanism right now, where it's trying to be benign. It's trying to sort of embed itself very simplistically with these flowers that look pretty, but really they're just these barricades to prevent automobiles from kind of flooring up. I mean, And then, then the, you know, the few tables that are over there, the, this minimal token little patio that, for Pete's Coffee, which only Pete's customers can use. I mean, you don't see anybody else up there. And I'm sh- like I said, I'm sure someone would probably come out and tell you to leave mm-hmm. if uh, you're not drinking the Pete's Coffee, you know. And it's just, uh, this is just the absolute banality of, of the American landscape today right here simply this is your postcard shot right here it's (laughs) most boring generic you know security kind of
1: pose let's keep moving yeah
2: What are the things to just hang signs for advertisements for the city, for oh, art okay. museums? They're just little hangers, hanger racks. Good, good thinking though. Good looking out. <laughs> Could have been something more insidious. <laughs>
1: Rental markets. You know what's going on with like San Francisco. Average now is some, it's over thirty-five hundred. Well, you know. I think a lot of these buildings. I'm not sure, but a lot of these buildings they wanted to sell these condos. They A lot of this stuff got stuck when the market crashed and then they were renting them for relatively I mean for maybe about 1600 for a one bedroom but the idea was I think it was like a lease to own. Some of it was you know try to kind of for developers patch things over until the market got better. But um, And it's a really I mean to me this is like a very um, it's a very provocative we're right now in the kind of in the heart of we're getting to what's called Old Oakland right? and you, you're just bombarded by contrasts as you walk along you're always bombarded by these contrasts the attempt right behind us we leave the, the attempt to create a, uh, a business friendly tourist friendly city downtown and then we move to the more uh, warehousing district, old buildings older uh... older residential what used to be residential hotels for workers uh... New cheek by jowl next to these new condos right oh there's a farmers market um, watch out brian don't get hit by the car <laughs> so you have sort of new condos next to an old market hall next to what used to be all old workers housing um, hey. Good. Um, and so, also, just to quickly, just to quickly point out, right? Like, Oakland really—we're really foot—we're really foot, just sort of a couple hundred feet from what really was was the heart of Oakland when it was founded, uh, when the city was started to be started to really be developed. Because the first pier went along, went off off the foot of Broadway. And that's where the port started, and so this is part of the old. Um, post-gold rush kind of Victorian city uh, that we're we're now walking into. And we're walking in the direction of what is the the, the old and the contemporary Chinatown. The city has had many Chinatowns, but really most of the Chinatown, what's designated or what's considered the Chinatown, where most of the Chinatown businesses are just about two blocks away from uh, to the south of where we are right now.
0: Farmers markets are interesting because they're to simultaneously promote uh, 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 things, things that we would uh, we would probably value, like whether it's non-corporate business or this mm-hmm. kind of things. But it also, within a city, you find farmers market usually in in also zones that are trying to gentrify as well, right? Because yeah. it also address. A very specific population. So, is it is that the case here, or is that?
1: Yeah, that is that is that is the case in a way. I mean, as I move around, I also want to try to I try to get a sense of okay, who are the constituents? Who has, who has a, a more powerful form of agency in the city, right? Like who can make uh, demands on City Hall um, in order to do this type of um, business promotion in order to bring things like farmers markets and who you know who has that voice versus and who are the people that vote but then you look spatially at the place and you think about well like also who are the residents who are some of the people that are buying here um, we're just just—we're just really a couple really close, we're just feet away from the Chinatown, right? So there's also this, even like a, you can see a spatial division between where uh, a lot of the Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, Laotian families live, uh, many of whom do not have documents, right? They don't have citizenship documents, so they have very little political um, agency visibility. A lot of them live in the kind of Uh, higher uh, and some of the um, apartments and the higher elevation but then you have sort of the street level of business in downtown Oakland and this old Oakland the bars the new bars the fancy cocktail places Mm -hmm. so we're kind of at the street level you have This political power that has a voice that has a visibility, and then there's also sort of this other invisible city. There's this the city the city that does not have um, direct connections to city hall that does not have um, shadows. Yeah, that that doesn't really that's not able to vote, for example. Um, And so you know, power and voting blocks kind of take different forms. And well, they probably
3: um, have their own kind of. Neighborhood leaders yeah, and kind of do. community centers that—that's where their politics happen. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe by gathering into those group clusters, they then leverage some political power. With this. But, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 very fascinating to, and the density, the, really the density that and this is probably one of the densest parts of the East Bay, right around Chinatown, and and uh, and getting getting denser, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so that I mean that density is is really critical to um, civic life. I think. I mean, it's. it's I think. I think there's a, there's an interest. We're about to walk south towards the carceral complex, and maybe we should just start moving over there because it, it's you, it's very it's. I mean, it's the freeway, which is really cut off. Uh, it's Jack London Square, which is the the name of the district right where the port. Kind of ends and it's uh, kind of a touristy area that separates downtown Oakland. The freeway separates downtown Oakland from Jack London, and it's in this kind of band of interstitial space in the city where you're going to find like uh, a, a very, a very high percentage of men in uniform, blue, uh, we blue, just blue uniforms. About that,
0: by the way. Yeah. We ju- yeah, we just ran into.
3: There. And and uh, it's basically a concentration of, uh, yeah, police and court buildings and bail bond offices. <laughs> bail bonds. Um, not much else. <laughs> bars. There's some bars around here.
0: Good bars.
1: Okay, so to, um, we're right at the corner of 7th and Washington, um, and so we've we've traversed a really short distance, but we've moved from the convention center and city hall area, moving rather rapidly through what's now branded as Old Oakland, where there's still a, a, an assortment of old... Um, sort of post-Gold Rush era um, flats, working man's flats, uh, and different buildings that uh, mostly housed workers next to small shops and markets. And then Oakland suddenly hits, right, like it suddenly hits this wall, this wall of redevelopment where many blocks where hundreds of blocks were removed to cut the freeway through. And then, I, I suppose but I haven't I, I personally haven't looked into this I suppose that with the opportunity to draw the freeway through here um, there was also a, a concession so to speak of space for police right so there's a so there's these newer buildings um, post 1960s, 1970s and some of them look even more recent than that uh, multiple blocks that run from, uh, run from sort of the, the turn of the, um, of the 880 freeway, um, and they just keep going all the way down to Chinatown. These many, you know, this is where the coroner's office is. This is where police department headquarters are, Oakland Police Department mired in lawsuits. Um, the, the city jail is here, not the county jail, but um, a lot of the Occupy... Uh, for example, Occupy protesters and others were taken to the Santa Rita Jail, which is uh, farther out. But this is like a whole complex. I mean, we're just facing this complex that acts as a kind of barrier of wall that then also, I would argue, you know, almost like spatially separates the economy and and defends right the port, right, and cuts off the port where there are always constant also labor issues, right? So there's always um, Almost like this underlying, always this underlying tension between policing and labor uh, unrest. So keep the keep labor to one side of this wall. Keep the city uh, municipal power, the riffraff. Keep the the the, the unruly urban uh, occupy protests on the other side. Um, and of course, I'm collapsing like a lot of temporal periods, but. What I what I'm I'm indicating what I'm trying to say with that is that yeah I think that there is actually more of a spatial strategy a deliberate spatial strategy to zoning and collecting all these buildings and sort of drawing a line with them a thick line uh, that segments and right parcels the city in certain ways that make um you know that create certain opportunities for. Policing it, for disciplining it, for maintaining uh, things in check, right? Keeping things in their proper place, so to speak. So I mean, and this is a great area for us to maybe I don't know, spend a little bit of time just like observe the cars that go by, the the, the stairs that you're going to get from a lot of the policemen types. Listen to um, almost listen to the sound of anxiety, paranoia, fear uh, in this in this little zone, right? So, um, so alarms that you'll hear from the police vehicles yeah nick what would be the
0: sound of anxiety
3: (laughs) (laughs) i mean we have a freeway right over here i think there's i would argue it's actually not like what you might immediately think of like a shriek or a kind of you know this the sharper sounds but more the the underlying drone and general ambience now Freeway sound doesn't necessarily convey that to me. I think of it more... There's so many ways to reconstitute it as something more like the ocean or calming, but in it, perhaps it gets amplified here. Why don't we see? I mean, we walk under this bridge and there's a, there's this, you know, the backside of the, the police building. You might actually find it just to be a very uncomfortable space acoustically. Um, and, yeah, that must factor into people's... Uh, you know psyches as they enter this building you know there's a weed cutter over there and there's going to be kind of a droning noise a sort of intensity and energy uh... that, that produces anxiety
1: and just like i'll show you the symbology of this building too, like the kind of the the front facade where they have the oakland police department logo so we we were uh... in front of their in front of the
0: very grand Entrance of the police department building, which actually ends up not being even the the entrance is written on it, <laughs> uh, and uh, the building the building has absolutely no window whatsoever, which uh, uh, make us think a little bit of a server tower. And I think Javier, you had something. To yeah, say
1: I, d- I just thought the association with server buildings is interesting, although this was not necessarily built with the intention of housing servers, but increasingly police departments um and these now these more common uh, what are oftentimes called public safety buildings where there'll be fire fire and police and other rescue functions are all brought under one roof also devote quite a bit of floor space a lot of the floor area to servers right so where they're doing a lot more data get gathering analysis of that of data and so that's also something else to I mean always kind of keep in the back of your mind what's what's going on behind this wall now anyway what are some of the you know, if one could even get a little bit of the static or the signal, right? Of what's uh, what maybe gives us um, uh, more of a notion of what they're hiding behind these behind these blank, monotonous facades that are so um, that just inspire a kind of um, I think John, fear. John
3: Cage would like yeah. to wander inside and yeah. and just ponder the, the silence of, or, or the, the non-silence of these server rooms too, the hum of it, uh, get in there with the sound recorder. Should we try?
0: Yeah.
3: It's closed. It's closed.
1: It's lost. have this whole zone, this whole enormous zone of security, of policing, and then also like, of course, like police then have a social life. They go drink somewhere, and so they also have their own, almost like securitized space. They don't; the police department doesn't literally own it, but it's a kind of uh, police, uh, police-friendly bar, right, where they go and hang out after work.
0: I mean, the Freeway
2: cleaving, right. you know, these places is just is, is classic. You know, like how Javier was describing, the labor has been ghettoized on one side, and this whole military or whatever policing complex is here. Like you see that same thing in San Diego with Barrio Logan. You know, you can, see, you can see that in West Oakland, where the freeway was built to basically cut off West Oakland from the rest of Oakland. And West Oakland were all, uh, you know, the workers came back in the day to, to sort of work around the port, and then the port dried up. And that's where the Black Panthers actually started, was in West Oakland. And there was a, a hotbed movement of activism that was really, has been incubating out there for a long time. And that freeway, again, just section that part off, you know, the freeway is always just a classic urban weapon in that regard you know I think, I think it's particularly it's
0: particularly true in a city like Paris which is surrounded by yeah, a right. freeway and that has a very segregative uh, policies of, uh, of uh, keeping keeping the poor outside and,
1: and An important point though yes the, the we are uh, not under the freeway the Black Panthers like the, the Panther breakfasts the, a lot of the public programs that the Panthers did, deliberately went to provide those services in west oakland but the panthers begin in the in the sort of north oakland south berkeley uh border so Huey newton's house i think was on 45th street and in uh what is what is within the borders of berkeley just at to the south of berkeley as it as it as it bleeds into oakland it all it all becomes one large patch of homes but yeah Okay so also So as we cross the freeway right like we go through that we go we just went through that weird under, underneath space right but this is continues on the other side of the freeway also this this continues to be more government buildings the coroner's office forensic investigators like all of these office workers right like different county buildings these continue this wall they continue to thicken that wall that we're still I mean we, we just went through several hundred feet crossed an entire freeway and this just like this, this whole clottage uh, continues
0: sonic <laughs> archive of Occupy Auckland, November 2011 recorded by Nick Sowers
1: concluding remarks as we yeah so we we
0: uh <laughs> we we're we now pretty close from the port of oakland that's uh, uh uh from what i know highly uh highly uh, charged in their labor struggle along the years uh and that's uh that's going to be where we will conclude our little tours that uh, that um that took one pass, but could have chosen many, many others. And, uh, and I think we, we didn't talk a lot about gentrification, but I think that's a, that's a very, uh, rampant problem in, uh, in a city like Auckland. So, um, guys, a few, a few last words, maybe, maybe, uh, each of you one, <laughs> one after the other who wants to start? I'll, I'll chime
3: Nick. in. I, I think, uh, a lot of what Javier has been talking about today it has to do with not just kind of what we see in the bulk and mass of the city and how it's distributed geographically, but a, a real conceptual sense and the, the symbolism of you know these these buildings, the city hall, the mm-hmm. the spaces in between. And I think what I what I focus on is is maybe more the the crevices and cracks between and the opportunities to to subvert and that's what we well we all look at that you know we're, as D. Millet, we're, we're interested in studying these geographies and these spatial politics so that we can find the fissures where we then see an opportunity for intervention or if not even our own intervention just something that should be brought out and noticed and, and so from a sonic point of view um, I mean I, just walking this cityscape again to me it's 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 hard to divorce it from an everyday, and maybe it doesn't need to be divorced from an kind of everyday perception of these spaces and landscapes. Does so this does this does downtown Oakland sound any different than any other kind of you know medium sized city downtown in the U.S.? I mean, I, I don't know, you know. So, but I, I think what 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 maybe just paying attention to sound affords you is a way to uh, think about think about those forces which are basically exerting. Power and influence on you know and containing you, and then thinking about the, the the ways to amplify your own voice, even you know just going back to occupy like the mm-hmm. human microphone you know an amazing device just where where amplified devices were not allowed to 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 take one voice and make it sound like many mm-hmm. um, so I think that that's that's kind of what I get at I, you know i don 't know if we didn't really con- conclude something particular here no, but. I mean I don't no, think Ryan. necessarily
2: yeah I'm not I'm not looking to really make any sweeping conclusion either I mean I just I, for a, for another day and a walk of downtown Oakland you know it's for the reminder to me that it just feels like it's been vacuumed you know that the the, the feeling here isn't one of tension isn't one of gurgling culture I mean there's definitely are some movement things that are happening here you know there's the art murmurs kind of cool there's some stuff that happens but um, for the most part it just feels like a very kind of uh, andro like roboticized kind of androgynous space. You know, it's been it's been sanitized. It's got this kind of safety feeling about it. But at the same time, there's no real intrinsic identity anymore. You know, it is just concrete buildings. It is bars. It is you know grass mounds that are sort of serving as bollards here and there. I mean, it is very much this delineated kind of geography where you can and cannot go. And everyone's obeying it, and, you know, it just feels like this kind of, uh, pedestrian tramway, you know, (laughs) that is just highly surveillanced, and, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a a void in its own right, and I'm always fascinated by how that's what, that's what urbanization in some ways is becoming, it's just becoming a void, just, just, just empty of culture anymore, empty of its own identity, and just, uh, remade in, the, in this image of, of the big Oakland badge like we saw on the building, you know, it's, it's the sh- we live
1: in the shadow of the badge. <laughs> so I, I think that the other, the other point to maybe finish on is that, um, I mean, some people who know our work uh, and that you maybe know, uh, sometimes what kind of what comes out of our walks are these fictions. So some of the fictions that we've done for certain uh, exhibitions or that we've done for different events, um, like a lot of the ideas for those come from uh, from this process of walking and and just trying to notice. Right. Like noticing um, everything that. Uh, Nick and Brian are, are, are indicating, right, like kind of feeds into uh, scripts and scenarios that we imagine both for soundscapes or that we imagine for the written texts, uh, and that doesn't necessarily come out of some um, uh, isolated you know, kind of pristine writing uh, reflection place, it actually comes from mm, traversing these types of geographies and um, you know, and sort of Extrapolating from these kinds of subtle details that emerge in every little corner and crevasse of the of the built environment.
0: Well, I suppose my my own my own conclusions would be uh, as uh, as often to insist on the non spectacularity of, of the things we've seen today. Uh, I mean, beside maybe the jails, that's that's uh, quite a medieval. Aspect, but mm. uh, all, all the all the rest is quite quite generic and can be can be observed in many cities. I mean, in Auckland, it has a particular value because of its historical uh, resonances that we've been talking about. But um, in uh, in general, all this hyper control, hyperpolice uh, control, we've been uh, we've been looking at today. Is uh, is reproduced absolutely everywhere, and and is also something we don't even really notice because we've been so much used to it and kind of insensitive to it. So. Uh I think that's this tour we took today could be done in uh, in many other cities and uh maybe I invite people to do Yeah, so.
1: exactly. That's a good invitation. Okay.
0: All right, well thank you very much guys and uh and uh, uh we will, we will uh, we will uh try to make a a, a great uh, editing uh, of it to <laughs> to embed the listeners to uh, to those sonic sonic atmospheres we were in today. Thank you. Thank you thank you thank you. Sonic Archive of Occupy Auckland, November 2011, recorded by Nick Sowers.